0: I've been weirdly excited, a little bit awkwardly excited about Mother's Day. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, I'm probably more excited about Mother's Day than some of you mothers are. (laughs) Uh, I've just been excited. I feel like God's given me a word of encouragement to share. I realize that today is a day to encourage and celebrate uh, moms, but I I also know that today comes with a lot of baggage, and, and, and some of you come in carrying the baggage of a mom who's not around anymore, of a mom who was, was never around for you uh, as a child, uh, for for those uh, moms, uh, or, or excuse me, those women in the room who long to be moms, but it hasn't happened yet, and, and those who are, are single and wish that they could find the right person so that they could start a family, like, my, my heart is heavy with you today. Like, I, I don't just come in and thinking that we're all in the same place, because I know we're all in very different places on days like this. So I just want you to know I love you and praying for you and and the reality for those of you that that mom's no no longer with us. The reality is that we we never move on, but we can move forward. We can move forward with the grace, the strength, the truth that they poured into our life and the memories that they poured into us. And so we're grateful for that today and just praying for God's comfort to, to rest on you today. So, uh, I want to take a few minutes to just honor a few um, specific moms. One, I want to honor my wife who is uh, struggling for the Lord on an exotic island right now for five days without children. <laughs> so, let's just honor her as she's getting there. You go, like that's a real honor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, I was saying it in jest, but uh, no one's more worthy and deserving in my mind. Uh, she sets such um, a high, but a high but attainable example, because she operates with strength and incredible vulnerability. Um, she, she's one that wears her feelings on her sleeves, and she says it's okay to not be okay. She's like she she lets you know that. And so I'm just thankful for the woman of God she is, the mother that she is, uh, because she prays for you and loves you like you are her kids, even though some of you are like twice her age. Like she, she loves and, and prays for you, and uh, thank God for her. I thank God for, our, for my mom and, and my mother-in-law who are just such incredible women of God that have just influenced my life in such deep ways and have influenced thousands of other, not just women's lives, but men's lives, and have shepherded people towards their calling and love for God, and they live that with passion, and so I honor them. I honor all the moms in this room in which uh, I feel like put their arm around my shoulder and be like, how are you doing, Pastor? And I just feel like I got all kinds of, of moms and like that are encouraging, and, and so many of the, I feel like, women and female leaders in this church. I, I feel like we are so blessed. Like, we're so ridiculously blessed. Like, there's a lot of churches you could go into, and you can't find a female leader in 10 square miles, but I feel like in this room, there's so many just Im- incredible women of God who are l- leading so well within the body of Christ, within the workplace, within uh, our church. And I'm, I'm thankful for you, and I honor you for the sacrifices you pour into your family and your church family. And so, yeah, it's just a day to honor and celebrate, and, and, and it's a day for me to encourage. I want to I speak uh, to us uh, today with a simple phrase that I felt like God laid on my heart as we continue our, our Here Now series with this phrase that God laid on my heart that this is all we've got. And so if you're ever one of those people that's like, how much longer is he going to preach today? That's how much longer we got till I'm done. So uh, you can just follow along uh, with the hourglass. This is, this is all we got is this phrase that God's been burning in my heart. And uh, based on my personal experience, again, my, my personal experience, it's really hard to be a woman in the 21st century. Um, First service laughed at that. You guys will get it later. Based on my personal experience, it's hard to be, okay, never mind. So forget it. Just act like it didn't happen. It was terrible. Did not go. Hey, I don't know. I've never lived that, but I've watched and I've lived with uh, women my whole life. And um, and what I, I see in, in my own eye, one of the greatest struggles, and, and, and women can fill me in and tell me I'm wrong if it's other stuff, because I know there's a lot to it. But I feel like one of the toughest things about being a woman in the 21st century is the pressure. I feel like women live with a tremendous amount of pressure uh, pressure on them to be something. And there's these images of culture and church. You know, I feel like these pressures come from a lot of different places, and um, they come from uh, movements that influence who we feel like we're supposed to be as women. We feel like you know, we feel the pressure to be beautiful. We feel the pressure to keep up. We, we, we feel the, the pressure to hold it all together, to make everything better. Like we, I feel like women live with a lot of this pressure and I feel like some women are handling this better than others. I was in Chick-fil-A the other day and there was an example of somebody who was not handling the pressure super well. You ever run into Chick-fil-A lady ever been Chick-fil-A lady. I've been Chick-fil-A lady when I'm like, eat your chicken nuggets, you know. She's losing her mind over the over the chicken nugget or target, target dad who's lost it. Like, we've been in those places in which we're not handling the pressure super well. I, I think there's a lot of reasons for this. I think a handful of them I'll, I'll just add. You know, I think one is I think women and and moms in particular lack the rest they need, particularly young moms, you lack the rest you need. You need five days in Aruba, which this would never happen for us if it were not for a family wedding. So it's just worked out incredibly for her to be able to do that on Mother's Day. But um, uh, so anyway, um, they lack the the rest they need. And, and, you know, I think I've I've seen the statistic where, you know, within the first six years of a child's life, a mom does not have like a normal rest cycle at all. Like it's just not normal. And so if you have kids multiples, like you don't get good rest for like 10, 15 years, 20 years, depending if you don't plan it right. You know what I mean? It's like, I haven't slept good in 20 years. And that's a true statement. Like you have it, you need rest. And I I feel like women also lack the encouragement they need. Like guys, like here's a way we can lean in. Every woman you see, no, they need encouragement. You do too, but no, they need it. They they need to be looked in the eye and, and told you're doing a good job. Because 90% of the time, they feel like they're not doing a good job. Because they see everything that's going wrong. And I feel like this is a leadership thing. So women, this is leadership qualities in you. You walk into a room and you see everything that's going wrong. Not everything that's going right. Guys get that probably in a business sense. Some of you women get it in the business sense. But women get that. They feel like they see everything that's wrong. They need to be encouraged. You're doing a good job. You're doing it right. Just keep on. They lack the support. They lack the physical support they need. Single moms out there, you are Rocking it. You're holding down the fort. You're holding, making it happen. And it, things did not go, yeah, come on, let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> things have not gone probably like you imagined them. Uh, but you've hung on there and you've cared for your kids and you've rocked it. And so we just support you and love you. But we know you need the support you need. So, hey, we can lean in and help with an oil change to a single mom. We can lean in and, and get gas or, or buy something on Mother's Day. Think, think of somebody today who maybe their husband's deployed. You can lean in. And so thank God for, for single moms who hold down the fort. Thank God for single dads who hold down the fort. Um, and, and the last thing I'd mention that I feel like women really lack is women lack the mentoring they need. They, they lack the mentoring they need, because maybe mom was, was a good mom, and, uh, but, but you haven't lived near mom in a long time, or, or, or mom's uh, passed on, or, or, or mom, like, helped you mature, but she didn't have spiritual insight to disciple you and mentor you in that way, and, and I feel like this is something I really want to encourage, especially moms that are in the kind of the child, you know, rearing years and, 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 and trying to figure this thing out, like, don't be prideful, too prideful to ask for help like don't be afraid to raise your hand and be like I'm hurting I need somebody like I'm struggling cuz like too many women are suffering they're suffering and they just feel like they got to hold it all together and don't let pride be that thing that, that causes you to hold back from saying hey I need help can you help me figure this out am I crazy cuz I feel like I'm crazy please help me and and maybe moms in here that you've added a grand to your name to your title you've got a grand uh, mother title uh, in you right now I invite you just to to see beyond your own family to be a mentor in some other women's lives, to to lean in and be an encouragement, to be a support, to be a sounding board. And you don't have to have all the answers, but just to to be a shoulder they can cry on, somebody they can talk with. See beyond yourself. And, and And for those that are single and maybe you don't have children right now, see yourself as a spiritual mother. You can carry that and lean into a child's life because here's the reality. At some point, some seasons they don't listen to mom like they used to. (laughs) The same word of truth coming from mom does not resonate like it does from a mentor in their life. And we know with kids, it takes a village. But ladies, you need a village in your life. You need a village of people supporting you, encouraging you, holding your arms up, lifting you up in prayer. Like we dream of that world, but sometimes we let all the other stuff get in the way of creating that. So I, I want to talk around this, this subject today of this is all we've got. And I want to turn to a passage in scripture of a woman who was under a lot of pressure and in for, in, excuse me, second Kings chapter four, uh, there's this woman, she was a widow. And I want to read the text and process what God would speak to us through this text today. Uh, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing here at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought all the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. And she went and told the man of God. And he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. A powerful miracle of God from a woman who was under a lot of pressure. I mean, she was not used to being the sole breadwinner, but she had now found herself in that place to care for the needs of her kids. And, and frankly, she had run up short. I mean, she was struggling. And it had reached a point in which she's crying out to the prophet as he passes by. I want to talk to you about this idea of this is, what we've, this is all we've got because the reality is we, we don't have a lot left. And I think moms, I think women feel often like they don't have enough to make it. Like they're not... Good enough and and frankly, in our culture, because of this, I think we 've got um you know within uh, our our culture there's a feminist movement and you won't find anyone who empowers and loves and appreciates women uh, m- more than I do but I'll, I'll just guard you within the feminist movement there is a lot of corrupt theology okay so I'm all about the empowerment of women but there's some corrupt theology that we we throw around phrases to encourage and empower women but we end up leading them away from the gospel of Jesus Christ yeah. we we lead them away and so we say like you're enough and, and we, we raise up independent women, and, and it sounds good, and it feels good, and yeah, in some ways, but the reality of what God's called us to is to be fiercely dependent on God, and fiercely dependent on one another, the body of Christ. And so what we end up is we create women who are lonely, and who don't feel like enough, because frankly, they're, they're not supposed to be. We're supposed to be dependent on God, so we just got to be careful with some of the stuff that just kind of creeps its way into that we can see as a positive thing, the empowerment of women, but we see these theological things that, that's really undermining who God's called us to be as, as human beings. This isn't male nor female, this is all of us. And so I just want to speak that. But, but this woman is having to figure out the independent thing. And I think kind of the thread that I want to weave through a few thoughts today is really just my heart for the women of this house. That we would be women, we would be people who embody these things, and and I, I know about what I know about women is that women are warriors; they're tough chicks. Uh, if you, you're uncertain about that, just look up a viral video of guys strapping on the contraction belt. <laughs> you ever seen one of those? And the guy's like, I can't handle it. And it's like two seconds. You've handled it for two seconds, not for 10 months. And they're like losing it. Uh, I know that women are tough. I've seen that in my wife as she suffered through back labor. And that was so painful for just months and months, just hurting so bad as, as she uh, she had Beckett um, eight years ago. And um, so I've seen how women are, are warriors. I've grown up around strong uh, women, but I also know that women are worriers too. <laughs> women uh, worry about a lot of things that matter. They they worry about broken relationships, and they worry about how their kids are doing, and they 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 worry uh, uh, about you know the meals that have to be prepared for. They 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 worry about a lot of things that matter. But I but I also know that women can find themselves worrying about a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. Isn't that true? Like. <laughs> Worrying about what I'm going to wear to this event two, three months from now and just exhausted with it. Taryn will come out and um, she'll come out with one outfit on. She's like, what do you think? I'm like, it looks good. Like, what do you mean good? I mean, it, it looks good. Like, it, it looks good. And she'll go and she'll change in 21 other outfits later and then none of them are right. And, um, and then she ends up wearing the one that she had on first. Come on, any ladies identify with that comment? yep. Yep. Just go with your gut, go with what you know. And um, we, we, we find ourselves worrying about a lot of things that matter. I think we find ourselves, our, if you're anything like me, I know I, know I go through this. And I know moms are, are like this too, always worrying about what's next, always wishing for the next stage. It's funny, when I read this scripture, Elisha is a man, he's a prophet. Um, but we named our daughter Elisha after this prophet, and she's a girl. So anytime I look at this, I'm like, Elisha's a boy. I have to remember that. But our little girl Elisha, um, you know, when she was she was real little, she's uh, coming up on her third third birthday. Um, but you know, it was like, hey, I, I can't wait till she can um, she can talk, and now like. She talks, and then we, a lot, and then it's like, I can't wait till she can walk. I can't um, wait till she can eat table food. I can't wait till she's in school. I can't wait till, you know, um, we can um, have them all at the same school. I can't wait till we can leave them. They're old enough to be left at home so we can go on a more regular date night. Like, you know, I can't wait till they... They drive. I can't wait till they get out of the house. I can't wait till they're they're no longer financially dependent. Anybody there? Can't wait till uh, to pay for them. And and we're always just longing for the next thing, missing the moments that we're in. And I don't want any moms. I don't want any ladies. I don't want any men in this room to look back on our life and be like, I missed all my moments. I missed them. And it wasn't because I wasn't there. It's because I wasn't there or where's my phone at? I was, I was playing a stupid game. My child was taking their first steps in front of me. Like I, I don't want any of us to find that regret in our life. And, and I think this woman, like it, she, the pressure had hit her to the point in which she began to get very real about this present moment. There was an urgency to what happened. James 4 was a passage that came to mind when talking about this is all we've got and the time that we have as parents, as, as humans. James says this, now listen you who say today or tomorrow we're going go to go do this or to that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why? You, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? You know what it is? You're missed. You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That's her life. It's it's just vanishing. And it it, it doesn't last as long as we think it does. This woman cried out to God in this moment. The pressure had hit her a place that that she needed God in the moment. And, like, my heart for the the women of, of this house is that there'd be women who are passionate about the present, passionate about the present because we know it's all we've got. This is all we've got. Some of you will be familiar with the story of um, a theologian by the name of Rachel Held Evans that a lot of people follow. And um, anyway, just like three weeks ago, she contracted a UTI and, and went into the hospital. And and um, from that time, she began to uh, experience some kind of other symptoms of another sickness. And she began to have seizures. She began to have uncontrollable seizures, and so they ended up putting her in a medically induced coma. started from a UTI, and it kind of, a couple other things manifested. They ended up putting her in a medically induced coma, and she was there for like a a week and a half, two weeks, trying to figure out what we do, and they began to wake her up, and the seizures continued, and she died. She's got two kids under three. This, This theologian, this young woman, she was just doing ministry, doing life one day, and then like, three weeks later, it's a mist. And, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that as a fear tactic to women in the room or men in the room. Like, n- know my heart, but it's for us to face the reality. But that, that mist will go. And then it goes, what does every mom, what does every parent tell you? It goes fast. <laughs> They're not joking. It, it goes fast. You blink an eye and you don't have one kid, you got three. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what? Where did they come from? <laughs> you know? it's here today and gone tomorrow. And I just want to encourage you because I think we all want that. We all want to live in the moment. We do. We're struggling with device addiction. We're struggling with our responsibilities at work that kind of keep us answering phone calls during dinner time. Like we get that. We want to live in the present, but we struggle. And I think the greatest way for us to learn to live in the present is to be convinced that it's all we've got. It's all we're promised. That, that's the greatest way to, to begin to live in the moment is to know that this is all I'm promised and so I can invest in this moment and live in this moment like there's no tomorrow because I'm not promised tomorrow. This woman, she, Elisha asked her, and, and there's a little bit of a cultural thing going on here that when a, a prophet comes in, it wasn't like an exchange of goods like, hey, you know, I'm going to pay you for your services, but it was like a hospitable thing. When you ask a prophet for something, you make him a meal, you give him a bed to sleep in, you, you give him food for his next journeys. There's some cultural things there. And so she's crying out without feeling like she has the means to even cry out, to even care for the man who's going to hopefully help her out of her situation and help her relieve this pressure. And, and, um, he says, "What do you have?" And she says, "I have nothing. I don't have anything. Oh yeah, but I've got this one thing. I've got this little jar of oil. It just so happened that our olive oil was almost out, so uh, all I have is this little bit of oil. I mean, they would mix oil with some flour, or some grain, and like make some cakes, and, and that would be sustenance. But that's all they had. They only have flour left, or anything like that left. It's just, it's just the oil. It's." insignificant on its own. And I just wonder how many women, how many women across the room, how many men are looking at their cupboards of their life and feeling like that there's nothing really of value here. There's no significant gift. There's no significant money in my bank account after working for 20 years. There's, there's, kind of lacking significance and looking at our own cupboards and be like, I got nothing left. I got no more energy to give. I got, I got no more love to pour out. I've got no more money to spend. And I, and I just want to caution you that what we deem as insignificant may just be the vessel that God uses to do something miraculous. And I, and I think that insignificant could be an insignificant word of encouragement that you pass along. I don't have anything. No, no, no. That that's actually significant. That insignificant amount of time that you don't think is really worth anything but you you pour it out, that one hour you've got, you you pour it out with the best you've got. That insignificant prayer that you prayed behind closed doors, you don't really have anything and 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 we see it as insignificant. And so we'll even look back and be like I've got nothing at all, but I I want I want it. I want this house to be filled with women who find significance in the little things. (laughs) That it's just not the big and the grandiose, but actually we're finding significance in the little moments that everybody else might deem uh, insignificant, but I know in God's hands it becomes significant. I know in God's hands that little, when I pour it out, and I'm obedient to pour it out, becomes significant and even miraculous. I think there's another scripture that began to come to uh, my brain in in Proverbs uh, t- uh, 31, which is a really um, powerful um, uh, text of Scripture that often gets used as a job description for women on days like this. I don't know if you've women have ever heard this Proverbs 31. Awesome! It, it, it's uh, it's one of five books in the Bible. One five of the sixty six um, are considered what we call wisdom literature. So Psalms, Proverbs, Job, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon all get um, really referred to as wisdom literature. And most of them, pretty much all of them, are in poetic form. They're on poetic form. And so this giant, you can go back and read it later, but what this ends up being is it ends up being kind of a, a heavy yoke for women to bear because it, the the text begins in Proverbs 31, round 10. It says, a virtuous woman, um, and I'll just add this, who can find, but... Uh, the virtuous woman, if that same Hebrew word is used for a man, it's a valiant man. We use it as a virtuous woman here for whatever reason, but it's a valiant woman, like a, a, a woman of valor, like who, who can find. And so there's these 22 verses, and that's how many letters are in the Hebrew alphabet. So it's, in a, it's actually an acrostic poem beginning with verse 10, on down, beginning in sequential order of the Hebrew alphabet. It's pretty interesting to think about it. So this is not a job description for, for women. What it actually was used as, as something they would train their boys to memorize. The boys would memorize the poem so that they can know the qualities and characteristics that they're looking for in a woman. And so it kind of gives us a little bit different frame of reference of how to look at this. But let's read this. She, she makes linen garments and she sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. And she can laugh at the days to come. I've got a chessboard up here. And uh, you guys know which is the most powerful piece on the board. It's when the king gets knocked down, but the king can't move you know the one thing you don't want to lose is you don't want to lose your queen when you're playing chess. Uh, Chess started as a game called uh, Shantranj there you go, word of the day, shantranj, Uh, that came from the Persian empire and it evolved into the game of chess. And at that time, there was no queen on the board. In fact, the queen was basically like a a pawn and the pawn, or at that time it was called a fern. (laughs) The fern sat beside the king and and the the fern could only move diagonally to capture or move until Queen Isabella the first Began to have a she had a lot of power and she's like this game's about to get changed and she's like the queen's got power now she can go all over she can co- combine all these other powers and come on women multitasking, get a lot of things done and have to, to make it happen and so uh, Isabella changed the game and uh, here's what I know about this uh, woman here in Proverbs thirty one that's being described this this woman of valor this this virtuous woman that that says who can find her like. Yeah, because if you go through the scriptures, like, she's hustling from dawn till dusk. She's serving everybody and everything, and she's, she's all over the place. That's why you can't find her. She's always busy. And so, but she, she not only cares for her family, she makes garments, but she sees beyond her family. She sees beyond her family, and she supplies the merchants with sashes. I think that's a powerful thought for us to process here, is the influence of women in the house, that you have beyond your family. I, and, and I don't know how much of an issue this is because I'm not responding to something I see in the lives of our community. But this is just a general note that I find uh, across the nation is that, um, and I think it's, it's probably more with, with women than men, more with mothers than, than dads, um, is that we, we actually begin to worship our family. And I talked about this a little bit in our table response time, that we actually make an idol out of our family and, we, and we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful of that because what we want to do is, like we sang about earlier, is we want to build our our family on the worship of God, not, not kind of find worship of God into the family that, that we worship and we center everything around that. So we, we've got to be careful. But ultimately, I, I want us to know um, as a church, that you, you've got influence. That's not just in your family, actually across the street and in the neighborhood and at your job. And, and to know, because because you guys know how it goes, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. There's an influence there. There's a power to set the tone not just at home, but at church and in the workplace. Like to set the tone. There is, there is power to move and do a lot of things. There is influence. And, and my challenge, the, the type of community that like, I'm praying for for our women is that we'd be women who, who, who steward and who wield our influence graciously. Like, well, then you're sleeping on the couch. Not, not that kind of influence. We, we wield it graciously. Graciously. Not, not in control, not in manipulation. We we steward it graciously because we know, like that. There's something beyond our family. That's it's not. This isn't just about us. And I and I love this. I love this scripture because it says she's not clothed with everything. She's taking care of everybody else. And actually, in other places of the text, it talks about she 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 gets dressed nice too. But she's clothed. What's more important to her? She's closed with strength and dignity. These are really two things that speak of youth and age. And she's closed with both. Like she's taking care of herself. She's, she's strong and she's also carrying honor and dignity in her life. I, I think the, the women that, that I long to see in this house is uh, women who care more about their character than what's in their closet. They know they're being clothed with strength and dignity. And I think what it does in your life is it allows you to look at the future, and, and I can laugh at the days to come. I can laugh at, at the days to come. There's an, an influence. Uh, moms, women, you're tone setters in your home. You're tone setters. What kind of tone are you setting? Are you setting an angry tone? Are you setting an anxious tone? What kind of tone are you setting? Uh, I feel like earlier in our marriage, you know, whatever Taryn was going through, and I, I'd come in the door, you know, I'd get home later than her, and, and, you know, it used to be early in our marriage, she would just be like, here's everything that's gone wrong for the day. And, and, and now she's really changed. It doesn't change, but she knows she sets the tone. And if I jump, drop all that stuff on her when we walk in the door, it's gonna, I'm not gonna be ready for it. It's gonna be like, okay, like, hello, thank you for that. Like, I just want to come in. And so she's kind of changed that. And so I, I just want us to know that you, you set a tone for your home. There's, there's a, an influence. There's a power that, that you have there in every environment to wield that with graciousness. One more thing about the queen as I drop it. One more thing about the queen. Um, for those of you that know the game of chess, you know that the queen can uh, sacrifice herself to gain a strategic advantage at, from time to time. And and I know there's a lot of moms, there's a lot of women that you make a lot of sacrifices. (coughs) Sacrificing your time, you've invested a lot, there's a lot of sacrifices that happen as a mom. It kind of comes with the territory, it comes with a dad too, but all those sacrifices, I want you to know that they're gaining strategic advantage. Like for the legacy of your family, know that it's not for not, even if you can't see it right now, it's gaining a strategic advantage for the legacy over your children and over your family's life and to to know that as you go that it it matters like you can wield that that influence graciously because you know that you're leaving a legacy. Uh, this the final thought that really came in, into my my brain cuz this is all I've got <laughs> reminder on this is almost done there. Um this this woman is asked, you know, she To go in the room behind her, like to to go and close the door behind her, and that's where so much influence happens with women—not just out in the marketplace and all over. So much of a mother's influence happens when the door is closed. I think of the moments in which my mom just sat up with me at eleven thirty at night to just talk about life and just help me process some of the things I was experiencing as a teenager, as a Middle schooler, I think about the moments now in which one of my children's really struggling emotionally, and Taryn will just crawl in the bed with them and just comfort them and pour in. And it's these it's these closed door moments that bring such great influence and leave a lasting memory of the investment, the sacrifices that have been made. So wield that graciously. She she looked at it and she said, "I don't really have much. I don't really have a lot, but." He asked her to do something, and he said, go to all your neighbors and collect as many jars. And did you catch it? He said, don't just get a few. Don't just get a few. And I think these jars really represent something for us. I think one jar could be uh, an empty jar of prayers, that we pray. I think another one could be an an empty jar of encouragement, another jar of an empty jar of household stuff to get done. I think there's a a lot of jars in our life, and, and we look in our life, and we don't feel like we have enough time and energy to do it all. One, I'd just tell you, if you could see those jars, they're pretty full. They're pretty full. And the reality that I want us to grab a hold of today is that God's not asking you to give something you don't have. He just wants to remind us today that this is all we've got. And if all we've got is just a little more oil left in the tank, a little more encouragement for the day, another hour of energy, he's not asking you to pour out what you don't have. He's asking, do you trust me enough to pour out what you do have? Because at this point, this was kind of her last hope was that little bit of oil. That, that was her last, like maybe somebody will give me some flour. And he says, go behind the closed door and just, and just pour it out. And that moment of obedience, that moment of faith to close the door to pour it out, saved her children Saved her life probably too. She she was on her own like she was probably gonna starve to death. That's where she was at. She felt the pressure, just like some of us here are, are today, and we're looking at our cupboards and we don't feel like we've got much. But it's significant w- when it's in God's hands. And and I get it for a lot of moms, for a lot of women in the room, and, and guys, you get this too. Like life is just monotonous. From you know, you just kind of get in the the groove of life, and then like one week passes the next, and it's kind of the same routine, same routine. And and I just want to tell you, don't don't be afraid of the pressure as it comes in. Allow God to stretch your faith. Allow God to stretch your faith. Don't just go collect one jar. I think that was her only regret in that moment, is I wish I would have gotten more jars. I wish I would have gotten more jars. I wish I would have had a little more faith. I wish I would have went a little further down to my other neighbors to see if they had any jars. Because I believe God would have kept filling them up as many as faith as she had. So be willing to be stretched beyond where you're at. And here's what I believe. I, I want to see women who are going to see God do the miraculous. Because I know women and I know mothers in this room, you're praying big prayers over your family. You're praying, praying big prayers over your children and over your husbands. And you're, you're praying big prayers. And I want to say pray, pray them even bigger. And believe and pour out what you've got, pour out every bit of encouragement because it's it's all we've got. Like it's going, it's gone now. <laughs> it's gone, it's gone. This is what we got. So, so pour it out. I, I remember this day, and this is a very personal story. The day I asked Taryn's dad to marry her, uh, we went to this uh, little restaurant when you cross over the Courtney Campbell Causeway down in Clearwater. Um, there's this restaurant called the Castaway. It's not there anymore, but we we went there, and uh, we I, I didn't even ask for it, but we got the table on the water. It was it was perfect, and uh, he knew what I was going to ask him, and he had come prepared, and and he had with him an eight by ten photograph of Taryn when she was five years old, and uh, just as cute as you know, just as cute as you can imagine, and um, he pulls it out and he says, "You you see this picture of her? She, there's a glimmer in her eye." right here. And uh, when she looks at you, that's the way she looks at you. That that glimmer is there when she looks at you. He said, never let her lose that glimmer. Never let her lose that sparkle in her eye. And that just, I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget that phrase, a a day in my life. And I've done my best to to keep that glimmer in her eye. But I know the reality for women is a lot of us feel like we're caving under the pressure. There's some things that have happened to us in our life and that glimmer is gone. Like, we we can't laugh at the future. We can't even laugh in the present. There, there's been some things that have gone on that oh, joy has been taken from us for life. And, and, and I believe across this room, God wants us to lay down a worry of the future and passion for the present, pick up passion for the present. He, he wants us to lay down insecurity and pick up gracious confidence in God, our Father, who He is enough. I, he wants us to pick that up. He, he wants us to lay down what we think is insignificant and in that little bit, just be faithful with it and see the significance and the pouring out of obedience on a daily basis. And I believe God's going to write a new story I believe God's going to restore a glimmer to some of our eyes, men and women alike, that, man, this life has beat us up, and man, we haven't found significance and purpose. But I believe God's going to raise something up in us today. And so I want to ask you all across this building to stand and just begin to bow your head and close your eyes and just reflect on what God's speaking to you. And this is all we've got. Because I believe at some point the monotony of life is going to turn into the miraculous if we'll pour out in obedience what God's given us. And just with your eyes bowed, the band's going to lead us here in just a moment, just a a worship song. And I just want to ask that you'll maybe just posture yourself like I am this morning, just with arms open. I want to pray a prayer over you. That God would restore that. And in this moment, like whatever you're going through, if it's needing to throw down insecurity at God's feet and pick up his confidence, if it's throwing down anxiety at his feet and picking up you know, godly you know, confidence and, 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 and not laughing at the days to come, I don't know what you're going through, but I want to pray over you today. So would you just posture yourself in just a, a posture to receive today. God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for people across this room today. I thank you for moms and women of influence who are carrying that graciously. But God, we all realize it's, it's not perfect all the time. And I just pray you'd bring encouragement and strength today and wisdom and graciousness and confidence to the women of this room that there'd be a village that rises up, God, that will lift up each other's arms, that will be women who pray for each other, that will be men that, that encourage women and support women and lift them up, God. Uh, there, there'd be grandmothers and, and, and women who are a little bit down the road in this mothering thing that would come alongside some young moms and just be an encouragement, be life, be oxygen to those young moms across this room. God, I thank you for a community of faith. God, and I pray that you would stretch all of us. God, stretch us beyond what we deem as insignificant. God, may we find confidence and strength today and knowing that you are more than able to, to supply our needs, God. As we release the seed, as we, as we pour out, God, would you fill back our hands so that we can continue to be a sower, a generous sower. I thank you, God, for the miracles you're doing today. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Let's worship. Let's reflect on what we've got today and give God all we have. There's folks to pray with you if you're going through a specific thing, maybe in your family, as a mom, as a, as a young man right now, wherever you're at, there's some folks that would love to pray with you this morning and join with you in prayer as we worship.